Please take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. Lord willing, this is our last day in 1 Corinthians 12. As a reminder to you, next week we will not be having any Sunday school. It is Resurrection Sunday. So we encourage you to be here. Invite a friend. We'll try to find more seats, okay? It's a good thing. Uh, Just to do a refresh real quick, in the back... We still have these available, spiritual gift inventory booklets. If you haven't picked one up, worked through it. If you need some help, some of you said, you know what, I don't fully understand what I'm doing here. Great, come talk to me after this, and let's get this filled out, and let's get this done. You'll have an answer sheet that you need to pick up that goes with it as well. Once you're done with this, if you wouldn't mind to get a copy, share your answer sheet with us. We have a copy machine right back in that room there. You can just... Flip it on, run it through the top, make a copy of it real quick. If we could get a copy, that'd be great. If you don't feel comfortable sharing your answers, that's fine. In your bulletin, you have one of these. It just asks for your name up at the top and what your top two spiritual gifts were. We'd like to know that information. Uh, the body of Christ is not a sitting body at all. I didn't hear any amens there because you're not con- convinced, right? Thank you. Yeah, Johnny, come lately. Thank you. Um, the body of Christ is not to sit still. I'm not the only minister here. Every member of the body of Christ is a minister to the body of Christ. And we are to be investing in one another, serving in one another, and God has given us spiritual gifts so that we know how we ought to serve for the common good of one another to bring glories to His name. It's all on purpose. So if you need any help with this, any questions about this, come talk to me after this. I would love to spend as much time as possible to help you fill all this out. I've been going through this study about the gifts and the body. And while we've already hit all the gifts, the question still remains about the body. How are we to function with one another? Or let's be a little bit more hidden at home. When you look around, do you like the people you're at church with? Okay. Here's a great thing about that. I can make many comments, but I won't. And I know this sounds crass and rude, but I'm going to say it. God doesn't care. And the reason is, is because this is his body. He's the one putting it together. We are not Lego pieces that complain against the one who is assembling us. We are Lego pieces who fit intentionally in the places where we are to be. So it manifests a glorious whole. And I tell you this, when we begin to recognize that we are all part and parcel pieces of the whole body of Christ, that God desires to do locally with Grace Bible Church, and we begin living out the gifts that he has blessed us with and ministering to one another, you will find that an explosion will happen in Portage. It absolutely will. I have no qualms or doubts about that whatsoever because it's the way that God has set it up in his word. It's the way that God set up the first century churches, and we have largely lost that over church history to where we're either not utilizing that at all or we've gone into abuse phases with spiritual gifts and using them in ways that they shouldn't be used. So the whole reason why we're going through this is so that we know what they are, You know what ones you have, maybe one or even more. How to get plugged into a ministry in order to make that effectually happening all the time here and to guardrail us against running over the edge and crashing into a ditch. That's what we're going for. Now we're going to pick up in a very familiar place, chapter 12, verses 4, 5, and 6, because the first thing that we always need to get in our minds is whether it is a gift 
whether it is a ministry or whether the strength, energy, and working that comes from us in doing those things, it all has its center in what God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit want through us. It's His church, not ours. It says here in verse 4, There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries, and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, of workings, how to do ministry. But the same God who works all things in all persons. He is the energy. If spiritual gifts are to be done right, they have to be done spiritually. And if that's the case, it means that there is no capacity within myself to energize that ministry. If you've ever been serving in a ministry and you got burned out, pause for a second, take a step back and ask, have I been doing this in my own power? I guarantee across the board, the answer is 150%. Yes, that's why we got burned out. Well, nobody else would help me. Well, that's a big mistake too, because you might only have one or two spiritual gifts. You don't have all 11. You can't do it all. You need a team. Guess what the church of God is? It's a team. It's a body and it's a team. And we have enough people here varied out amongst us to where we have solid representation of all 11 gifts. Now, right now, we only have about 45 of these answer sheets and results turned in of what we know, okay? Some of you are shy. I understand. It's okay, but we love you. Turn them in, please, if you wouldn't mind. You can either give them to me. You can put them back there in the offering boxes, fine. Either way is good. You can give them to Zach. Zach's got deep pockets. Just shove them right in there. It's good. Or if you like, if you want to make a copy of it because you want to keep your original, again, the copy machine's right around the corner. Let's, let's, I want to get that and get it taken care of because we're putting together a group right now to help everyone get involved in how they can best serve in the church. Anybody, real quick, anybody want to guess what our overwhelming gift is so far that the body of Christ has? No, we are an unmerciful church. I'm just kidding. That's not the case. Close, no? Helps. We are a helping church. Man, we have helps all across the board. This shouldn't surprise me because when we have, what's that? That's kind of giving? Don't confuse the word of God. Okay. But, but seriously, think about this. When we have 50 or 60, 65 kids that are showing up to one on Wednesday nights, we're having 25, 30, and 35 adults that are showing up to help with that. Why are they here? I want to help. That's what's driving that forward. Are they helping? Yes. Isn't it great? Devin Scott are thrilled. Having all of those gifts to round that out, what a beautiful thing. That's the way the body of Christ is at work. And what are we all trying to do? Just trying to love kids to love Jesus more. That's what it's all about. Just understand more of his word. So when they walk out of here, they don't go crazy. Right? That'll never happen. Yes, it will. Moving on, verse 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, why? For the common good. We have the word of wisdom, we have the word of knowledge, we have the word, or we have faith, we have gifts of healing, we have the effecting of miracles, we have prophecy, we have the distinguishing of spirits, we have tongues, and we have interpretations of tongues, but they all come from the same Spirit. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works. All these things distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one 
and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Are we Christ's body? Yes, we are. Do we all need to dress up and look alike? Do we all need to act alike? No. Hopefully we won't all smell alike either. Right? We don't have to be that. God wants us to be diverse. It's a good thing. But he's talking particularly about diverse and spiritual gifts. It's okay if you don't have the gift that the person next to you does. Why? You're not in competition with your brother and sister in Christ. That's not what it's about. My gift's better than your gift. No, it's not. It's equally as valuable and just as much necessary. Why? Because it all completes the body. Notice what he says here in verse 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Notice it's spirit baptism. Whether Jew or Greek, because that doesn't matter anymore. Whether slave or free, because that doesn't matter anymore. That's old life stuff. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many, many members. Here's the examples. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less part of the body. Just because you say, well, my gift isn't as great as your gift, therefore I don't matter. No, that's the enemy sitting on your shoulder trying to convince you of something that's not true. It is absolutely unbiblical. Of course you are needed in the body. In fact, I don't want to go there. Move on, 16. <laughs> Forgive me. And in the ear, this is all review, by the way. And, in the, in, uh, and if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? You wouldn't have it. If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? You wouldn't have it. Here it is, verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. This is a very important point to hit home. You have the gifts that you have. You are sitting here right now. Because God himself has orchestrated all circumstances to lead you to this point. He wants you here. It is God's handiwork in what he's desiring to do as a representation of his son to our surrounding mission field. He wants Jesus Christ on full display. The way that Christ is displayed is by the body manifesting spiritual gifts plugged into the head, which is Christ, and doing only what the head tells us to do. That's the way that they see Jesus in us. That's the way that we manifest Jesus to them. So verse 18 is critical. Verse 19, if they were all one member, where would the body be? They wouldn't. It'd just be a big old cow's tongue, right? Anybody here from last week? You all new people this week? Just making sure. Laying out there, not really connected to anything that's giving it much life, operating on fumes. Not a good representation of the body of Christ. Verse 20, here we go. But now there are many members, but one body. In other words, there's great diversity within the scope of unity. And that's okay, because that's exactly what God wants. And here's why this is important. Too often, people want to use the diversity of their gifts to one-up, whether out loud or silently, their brothers and sisters in Christ who might have gifts that might not seem so showy, that might not seem so relevant, 
that might not seem so necessary, and so we deem it in our minds it doesn't matter as much. The great thing about the fact that we're all diverse but unified is our fact of being unified eliminates a sense of superiority. Not one person in here is more superior than another. Some people make the mistake of thinking, well, the preacher's the one up there. I am. Ta-da! But that don't mean I'm more special than you. Jay? Something, something tells me you're just a little bit more special than all of us, okay? I love you to pieces. Tom, while you've been gone, Jay has taken your place. And I'll go ahead and tell you, if, if you want to come back and reclaim that throne, I'm okay. Okay? We'll, we'll send Jay back to sit with your wife, and you just come on up here and sit and... It's good. Lord have mercy. It's only if you have diverse pieces that you can make up a whole. It doesn't happen any other way. You might have parts of something, but here's one, one thing that's sad. Anytime that we're not operating in unity, all we're telling the world is that we've dismembered the body of Christ. The world's seen enough of that. Unbelievers have been given enough reasons why they shouldn't care anything about church and therefore not care anything about Jesus. Because too often we're either in competition with one another, we're backbiting one another, we're making ridiculous decisions that, that don't represent Jesus Christ whatsoever, and we've therefore lived out our life situation, and they're like, man, it just don't add up like, like they know it should. See, that's the interesting thing about that. It's not like the world is completely ignorant. They know! They take a lot of comfort in living in their rebellion when we aren't sound representatives of Christ either. Paul is showing us the way to get this done. Notice he gives an example. Verse 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. I have no need of you. Oh yeah, we're going there this week too. This was too good not to use. Think about it for just a second. The eye cannot say to the hand, because it doesn't have a mouth, one, but seriously. I don't need you. Stop. Think think for just a second. Seriously. Why would the eye need the hand? Think about your own body. Why, why, why do your eyeballs need your hand? To do something goofy like this, yeah? Wipe your tears away. That's pretty important. You ever tried to wipe your tears away without your hand? With your foot? That's not weird. How else does your eye need your hand? Anything that you want to you get hungry? Something to eat? Man, in fact, it's amazing how little the eye can accomplish if the hand isn't involved. Because the hand is executing everything of where the eye is pointing direction. Now, stop for a second and think about the situation. And take one of the spiritual gifts and plug it in there. I did this as an example. Faith cannot say to teaching, I don't need you. Why would faith and teaching need each other as spiritual gifts? Here's a reason I came up with. Because faith needs the reinforcement of God's word. Faith are the people that scare other Christians. They're the ones who are saying God can do it regardless. 
It doesn't matter how insurmountable the obstacle is, God can break it down and lead us through. It is a complete dividing of the sea, walk on dry ground, gift. And all the other Christians are like, man, I get so tired of that person talking because they make me so uncomfortable. Why does faith need teaching? So that faith knows that the things that they're making claims about the power of God in is grounded in Scripture. Otherwise, you start making claims about things that have no grounding, and then everybody says, yep, I knew it. They're a nutbag. You don't have to be like that. That's why teaching has got to be involved in bringing this education of God's Word to the Spirit or to the gift of faith. Here's another one. Helps cannot say to exhortation, I don't need you. How would somebody with the gift of helps need, necessarily have involved exhortation? Let me ask you this. If you have the gift of helps and you're involved in serving in a ministry, does it get trying sometimes? Do you feel like you're getting worn out, discouraged? Want to stay home? I think I'll call in sick to church this time. You can do that because we're Grace Bible Church. We have to give you a pass. Otherwise, we're not living up to our name, right? Can't penalize you one day's pay. You know, less treasure in heaven for you. I don't know. But why do you need that? Because what do the exhortation people do? Woo! Go! Do it for the Lord. Get in there. You can do it. This is it. He wants to work through you. He wants to do great things. Or they might look at you and say, you know what? You're really off base here. Let me show you a greater way of how to do this. Because it's not just championing all the time. It's also involved in loving correction. People with the gift of exhortation can do that. Those with helps need an encouraging word. They need something of eternal matter building them up so that they can propel forward. How about the head to the feet? Everybody loves the feet, right? Where are my feet? My foot. Everybody loves it. How about preaching and discernment? The head says to the feet, I don't need you. How does preaching need discernment? Wouldn't you be scared to death if I got up here to preach without discernment? Yeah. It would really help to have that, wouldn't it? That's my number three gift. It really helps when people are saying, you know, this is the current climate in our culture. I know the Word of God's probably got something to say about that. I'm not always listening to everything that the culture's doing. So I need sometimes for somebody to come to me and say, this isn't right, the Word of God says differently. Great. Maybe that's a subject that we all got a question about and we need to take a Sunday and address that subject. That's really helpful information to know. How about if we have exhortation and wisdom? How would exhortation need wisdom? You might get so psyched up in encouraging people that you forget how to do it biblically. You go, man, it's all about you. Woo! You've got all the background, you've got all the knowledge, all the teaching, you went to school, la 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 la, you, 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 you. Does that help anybody? No. Who'd we leave out? Everybody see that? So you need that wisdom about how to apply the Word of God soundly in those situations. We need each other. Notice it says, verse 22, on the contrary, it's much truer. Now watch this. This is interesting. That the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. Let me ask you a question. When you think through the spiritual gifts, what spiritual gifts do you think are the weaker ones? Notice the word it says that it, they seem to be weaker. Probably the ones that we sometimes deem to be weaker is either because we have personal inadequacy, so we're saying, well, mine aren't worth very much. 
because we just haven't really learned how to cultivate them yet and walk in obedience with them and utilize them in a ministry situation. Or we're really all about our gifts and we're like, well, I've got this one and this one, so the other nine are just kind of, because mine are amazing. Sometimes we do that. What would you consider weaker gifts? Talk to me. See, nobody wants to say it because we know there are no weaker gifts, right? Mercy? Maybe mercy is a weaker gift. Those merciful people. They should come in with the Word of God. Right? Is that how we should be? No, in fact, the people that have the gift of mercy keep us from being that way. What, what else? How about helps? I mean, those people aren't really doing anything anyway, right? Helps people. Who are they? There are no what? There are no weak ones. Notice that Paul is correcting a thinking. Why? Because Corinth was obsessed with tongues and everything else. They don't care. They want to be all about one, focusing on one. On the contrary, it's much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. They're needed. You've got to have them. You may not think much of them, but your thinking is wrong. They are equally as valuable in playing the part that they play in Christ's body as you are. This eliminates the competition mentality. We love to do that. Here's the reason why I know that, because we love to do that with our sin. When we find that the, oh gosh, man, there's a sin I've got, but I know about such and such a sin. I know Elisha here has got huge sin. And so therefore, no, no, really, here's why you need to know that. It's because my sin's not as bad as his. And so therefore, I'm doing pretty good. It's like in stereo. <laughs> but, but here's what it boils down to. Sometimes we have the temptation to do that with gifts. Well, my gifts are this. And they do that, and that's kind of their gift. And just don't think much of it. Because that's what they're doing. We may not be into the ministry that they're executing with their gift, but don't ever downplay their gift. It's from the Spirit of God. Jesus died to secure them that gift. Jesus died to gift them that gift. Why? Because the Father wants to use it to represent His Son. I don't know anything about the representation of Jesus Christ that is lesser. Don't let us ever think that. Don't let us ever think that any single person here is an unnecessary person, a waste of space. Never. It is never that way in the body of Christ. Every person has been gifted intentionally, if for no other reason that you're God's child. He, he's a giver. He loves to give. Look what it says in verse 23. Those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on those we bestow more abundant honor. In other words, they may not seem that valuable. Guess what? We need to esteem them as being even more valuable. If I'm thinking lesser about somebody else, I need to correct that by exalting more in their gifts. It says here, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Those that might not be so visible. We need to draw more attention and make them more visible. The behind the scenes people utilizing their gifts in that way. Guess what? They need to be known more. Now, I have a question. Answer it if you dare. What parts or features of your body do you feel are less presentable? I have a feeling I'm only going to get guys that answer this. You ladies don't want to talk? I really don't like my chin. 
That's why I wear this fur coat. And whenever I'm in the mirror and I mess it up, I'm like, oh, God, i got to take the whole thing off. It's like I'm four. It's terrible. I really don't like it. That's part I don't like. What part of your body don't you like? Okay, nobody's going to answer that. Let me ask you this. What part of this body don't you like? Did somebody just say, I like your body? <laughs> I just hear that. I like your body. Wasn't talking to me. Let me ask you this. Even though I don't like my chin, is my chin necessary? Okay? Might not always see it, but it's there. Thank you. Wow. Does anybody ever over here just want to come up and just kick me? I'm just waiting. You guys are just hurting me today. It's terrible. How about this? None of us would ever think about our internal organs, would we? We ever stop to think about how important the heart and lungs are? Let me ask you this. Can you lose a hand and foot and be okay? You can. What happens if you lose lungs and heart? No. Those that aren't as visible, we need to draw more attention to. How important is your heart? Your heart's vital. You will not live without it. Therefore, there's a lot of central attention that needs to happen here. Even other internal organs may not work so well. As long as the heart's working well, you're going. We might have some people say, you know what, I don't think my gift's much because nobody really sees that. What we need to do as a body of Christ is applaud that and say, thank you, God, that you've gifted people in such a way as to where they may not be seen, but they're here and they're adding to that greater whole. Why? Because it just ends up being a greater representation of Christ. We want it to be as perfect as possible. It says here, verse 24, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. Those who are out in front of people, I don't have need for anybody else to look at me. I'm okay. I'm good. That's great. However, somebody with helps, mercy, giving, behind the scenes, they might need a little bit more intention, encouragement, recognition, the fact that what they're contributing is actually vital. Because it's real easy to be giving your all and think, well, what I'm doing just doesn't matter. The body of Christ comes alongside and withstands that type of deceitful thinking. No, you're worth it because God has made you gifted for his goals. Notice what it says here. Another emphatic statement about God's work. But God has so composed the body. Think of a piece of music. All the different parts in a, in a symphony orchestra. That's what he's doing here. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member that lacked. Here's what this means, that God has assured that the less visible gifts or the ones that we sometimes deem are not as important are actually more necessary, and they're more necessary for a reason. Look what it says, verse 25. So that, here's your reason, and mark it, this is the point. There may be no division in the body. The reason why we have something that would be considered more showy gifts and something that might be considered not so showy gifts, extravagant gifts, and more menial gifts, however you want to say that, it doesn't matter because they're all of equal value and importance because they all strive towards unity. Churches divide over dumb things. If it's not doctrine, you shouldn't divide. But when it ends up becoming, well, I don't like the way that they, you know, the wafers they had in the plate this week or something like that. Come on, man. The drum set debacle of the 80s. That was a fun one. There's to be no division in the body. But look what it says. But that the members may have the same care for 
one another. Whether you're weaker, whether you're stronger, whether you're honorable or less honorable, whether you're presentable or less presentable, it doesn't matter. We are to be caring for one another. You know what this means? It means that independence is one of the greatest lies that Satan has ever sold us. The idea that I can just show up to church, be at church, we're going to go do church today, hey, we're going to church, get rid of all that unbiblical language out of your vocabulary. You are the church. And when you come together, the very word church means ecclesia, assembly. You are here to be assembled one to another. Why? Because you're already church. You're already body. The fact that the body's having to get together, no. Your body, regardless of wherever you are. But we need to be together giving the same care to one another. We're both dependent upon God and dependent upon one another. You may not necessarily know the people around you, you need to know them. Why? You're dependent on them. God said so. God gave you differing gifts to work together in one body for the sake of one another. That means that one another is indispensable for your sake as well as representing his body. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If anybody here is going through calamity, tragedy, Loss, hurt, pain, suffering, sin. We all cut and run? (laughs) Not my problem. Dodge that bullet. No. You do not abandon. If it hurts one, it hurts all. I hope all of our hearts are grieving for our sister D right now. She is going through a hard time. This is why no one can ever be I don't know, the Rambo Christian. You don't have everything in your arsenal to deal with life. You need the body of Christ. That's why God put you here. We need one another. I don't know how many times I need to say that. Is there a different way I can phrase that so that we get it? We need one another. Well, I don't necessarily like such and such, but you need them. Guess what? They need you. And the whole idea that we would make the church our first result when we go through a suffering time, a painful time, that's just biblical. That's the whole reason why God put the church here. Now, what does it say after that? Not only if one suffers, all suffer just like you do in your body. You get a hangnail, the rest of you hurts too. Maybe I'm just a weenie. I don't know. But notice it says here, if one member is honored, And that word is actually derived from the Greek word glorified. It's made much of in a situation. Look what it says. All the other members are glorified with it. Oh, I can get behind that. That's not what it says, does it? We rejoice. Praise God. How come we're not glorified with it? Because it's not about us. Because we're not in competition with one another. Because just because they got it doesn't mean that we have to get it too. Well, they got frosted flakes. I want frosted flakes too. That's not church. That's the world. We applaud that and we glorify God and the fact that God was glorified in another. We don't have to share in that glory. We just have to rejoice in the fact that God has used somebody in order to bring himself glory. But we all participate in it. Verse 27. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. That's who you are. Does everybody see from verse 20? And then verse 27, that they're saying the same thing. Does everybody see that? Look back at it. Verse 20. But now there are many members, but one body. Verse 27. Now you are Christ's body, 
and individually members of it. That's not part of the body of Christ. This is what's known as an inclusio. And I want to share this with you because the Holy Spirit uses this often throughout the Scriptures, an inclusio. What it is, is they are bookends. And you've got a statement that is made in one point and a similar statement that's made at another point. And what he's trying to tell you is everything that's in between comprises a unit of thought that he desperately wants you to get. He wants you to understand without a shadow of a doubt how vital what he's talking about in those particular bookends. We are the body of Christ. Diverse, yes, but no one's a lesser. No one's a more. No one's a have and no one's a have not. It's an all are in Christ. That's what it is. Now the fun part, verse 28. God is appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, and third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Man, this is a strange order list to come out of nowhere. And here's the thing, it's not exhaustive. I think that's important. It's not necessarily selective for any reason. I think Paul is just giving some sort of rundown here of what is most important in the church. Look at the first three that he gives you because those are the ones that he numbers. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. God has put these into place. Notice that all three of these are dealing with offices or gifts that would handle the word of God. With your apostles, you have those who are going to be revealing the word of God. And as our study was before, they've passed off the scene. In our prophets, we have the idea of the proclamation of the Word of God, and that's something that still happens now because His Word has already been revealed. Third, we have teachers. That's for the education of the Word of God because it's got to be reinforced, and we've got to see the tree and also the forest at the same time. Then we have miracles. Notice that the numbering stops. We have signs and wonders. Those have passed off the scene. We have gifts of helps, which are serving gifts. Administrations, it's the only time it's mentioned in scriptures, but it probably coincides with leading in Romans 12.8 that we looked at, forgive me. And also, kinds of tongues, or that should probably be translated literally other languages. Now when I say that, am I saying that your translation of the word of God is wrong? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that sometimes there are more literal ways of putting it than what the Bible has maybe uh, put on that in our certain English translations. But now you ask the question, Verse 29, and you answer these. If you want, get so daring as to write them in your Bible. Paul asks a question, we should be able to answer it. All are not apostles, are they? Everybody in here apostles? No? Okay. All are not prophets, are they? Nope. All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? No. All do not have gifts of healings, do they? No. All do not speak with tongues, do they? No. All do not interpret, do they? No. Now, I asked you to do a little something. Some of you did it. Some of you might not have. It's to take this little sermon paper that you have in your bulletin. And at the top of it, if you would write something to the effect of what I learned about tongues. Okay? And I've actually taken mine, put it up in the front of my Bible right here. Things I learned about tongues. And if you remember last week, because we talked about how we could take tongues as a whole subject, but we would neglect a lot of context in dealing with it. I would rather deal with it in context as we work through the Scripture. Last week we learned that not everyone is going to have the gift of tongues, and that came from chapter 12, verses 15 through 20. There's varied gifts. Not everybody has the same and one gift, okay? But we also have the reiteration of it here. So if you want to write down next to that, chapter 12, 
verse 30. Because we are told very clearly, all do not speak with tongues, do they? Do we? No. Here's what that tells you. It tells you that tongues is not a sound measuring stick for any sense of spirituality whatsoever in the body of Christ. At the very least, it's not. Why? Because not everybody's going to have that gift. Not everybody in Corinth in the first century was gifted in that way. Therefore, it is not a good measuring stick. You cannot lick your finger and hold it to the wind on that. Now, real quick, an interpretive issue. Verse 31. But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And we know that that gets into the love chapter. The love chapter, right? Everybody's excited for that one because your wedding was centered around it. Prepare to be sad. Okay, verse 31. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. There's a translation problem here. And I want to just discuss it with you for a moment. It's a little technical. It's fine. I didn't understand it all until I researched it, okay? One of three things is being said here. The first things is what the English here has got written out according to the Greek, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. Does anybody see why that might be a problem with what we've learned? Why? Because it might not be your gift. Didn't Paul just say all gifts are of value and not one gift is better than another? Each have their own role. But yet here it seems like he's saying, man, I wish I had that gift. I wish I was more merciful to people. Wow. Is that what we're we're supposed to do here? So is the word of God contradicting itself? There's got to be a better answer. It could be. It could be. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. Well, he just got done doing a rundown in verse 28 that God has appointed in the church first apostles, prophets, and teachers. And those are the ones that he numbers. And he labels them as one, two, and three in a series that comes afterwards and includes tongues last. Everybody see that? Maybe he's saying that we should desire not for themselves, but for the overall body, that those gifts of apostle and prophet and teacher be exercised because it's the word of God that the Holy Spirit uses to change people. That's possible, okay? That's a possible, plausible explanation. Now, a little bit technical stuff. Verse 31, the beginning, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, is what has been translated from what is called the imperative translation of it okay or the imperative mood and that's the idea of Paul giving a command or an exhortation usually the way that you decide these things out when you're dealing with the Greek language is the endings of the word will tell you how you ought to handle some of this information okay so the imperative is how it is given and translated here in the text it's a command or it's an exhortation about something going on calling on somebody to do something the problem is is that even though it's translated here in the imperative it is just as plausible, biblical, violating nothing to translate it in the indicative. And what the indicative is, is the idea of making a statement of fact. And if it was translated in English from the indicative, it would read something like this. You are zealous for the sensational gifts. That's what it might look like. The the idea here of earnestly desire comes from uh, zelos. I can't say Greek stuff very well. But the idea is, is being zealous about something. You are zealous for the more sensational gifts. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that Corinth's problem? Yes. When they're zealous for sensational gifts, are they operating in love with one another? No. In fact, we can refer back to what we've seen in 1 Corinthians 11 about how they treated one another with the Lord's Supper and thought these guys are a bunch of gluttonous drunks. They don't care about one another. This is a problem. This is a church full of problems here. So he wants to then in turn send them on way to a greater 
means of handling it. How should you handle your spiritual gift? In love. In fact, let's look at it this way, what we're going to see in two weeks when we resume this. If your spiritual gift, and this takes a lot of time to contemplate, pray, think about, meditate on, ask for the Holy Spirit to make it a reality in our lives. If our spiritual gifts aren't operated in love, they're not spiritual. They're not gifts. Love is a marker, one of many markers of the fruit of the Spirit, is it not? Galatians 5, 22, 23, you ladies know that. Didn't Beth Moore do a Bible study on it or something? Anyway, that was years ago. Love is a manifestation of the Spirit. If love is a manifestation of the Spirit, that means that the Spirit of God is working through you in order to do something spiritual. That means that if I'm up here exercising my gift of preaching and teaching and I don't care about you, you should not care at all. Because I'm exercising my gift in vain through the flesh, wearing myself out, and then I'm just going to be mad at all y'all for not doing what I said to do. And you can ask my wife, that's one of my greatest complaints. How come people just won't do what I tell them to do? It is. And she knows. It's because you're in the flesh. That's exactly my problem. Jay, shut up. <laughs> Just kidding. And I say that in love. I don't know if you've noticed. God is doing incredible things building his body here. He is. Invite somebody next week. I don't know where we're going to sit, everybody. We'll turn the air down to about 62. It'll be all right. Okay? But here's the thing. God is doing an incredible work right now in this church. A momentous work. Okay? Here's what he's doing. He's sitting back and he's saying, what pieces do I need to more fully and properly represent my son to Portage and to Columbia County and to the state of Wisconsin and to this world? And that's exactly what he's going to do. And that's exactly what he desires to do in every local church every time. Now, we as a body have a choice. We can either take in everything that we've learned in Scripture so far about these gifts, how to use them, the fact they need to be exercised spiritually, and seek by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, to operate in love with one another in this body. Or we can just disregard it. I want church my way. I just want what I want kind of thing, which is all the flesh. It's all pride. It's all self-centered. And we can be doing absolutely nothing for the Lord Jesus. I'm convinced, without a shadow of a doubt, that God wants to do great things through every single person here and through this church as a collective. Absolutely. He wants this assembly to gleam with His glory. I hope that's your desire as well. Let's pray. Thank you, Father in heaven, that you have put together the body of Christ. You're orchestrating it. You're appointing people in certain places. It is your composition. It is your workmanship. You are crafting us carefully. You've equipped us gloriously with spiritual gifts. None of us are lesser thans. None of us are have-nots. None of us are more. None of us are greater. We are all equal at the foot of the cross with Jesus Christ as our head. Lord, we live in such dangerous and deceitful times. We live in incredible, sin-filled times. 
God, how we need to be different and be against the grain of this world system that Satan has created. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us, that you died for us, that you raised for us, that we can live the new life that you give us. So, Father, make us sensitive to these things. I pray bring reminders to us in contemplating these things. Use us, please. It is in Jesus' awesome, awesome name. Amen.